money, Lebowski. Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know, that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Owl, Greg Pappas on the board. A little late this morning. What would you exactly call it outside? An ice ice monster storm, or what is it? Dangerous. It's pretty dangerous. Uh, let's just say, this this dude, me, I'm a, what am I, a black and a half away? Black? It was, a, it was a while getting here. Anything that could possibly be a lean-on or a hold was used. Because it's, it's a skating rink. It's nasty. Do we have Mr. Mike? Do we have John? Yes, sir. Good hey, morning, Pete. Tom. Morning. Uh, John, don't go out for a while. <clears throat> just saying. We're uh, not hearing much of John, but we are hearing Mike. Uh, Mike, sorry, we're a little late. Uh, at least, well, I made it one piece. Greg did manage to hit the hit the turf, but he bounced evidently. Um, says he's okay. We'll see. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's it's uh, good. this is the, you know this is you know what this is the best thing for for hand surgeons. People break more thumbs on ice than even doing like softball and stuff. My hand surgeon buddy tells me that, that he was, so he might be happy this morning with his business. I hope he's not happy people break their thumbs. But hey, um, Mike, we want to talk a little bit. We had John was covering for Brendan here. I thought we'd have you on, and we'll uh, maybe we'll run a couple minutes over. We'll go through break anyway. With uh, uh, catch us up on on the, I guess I won't say the war news because they're not official wars, but. All the stuff uh, that's going on. Where do you want to start? Nobody talks about Ukraine anymore. It must be winter or everybody's in the trenches or something, right? But uh, uh, we got the Hooties doing their thing. China, the market keeps going down every day. Now, today, I sent it to you guys. They're going to allegedly prop a lot of money into the market to try and prop it up. Uh, I hope they don't think that uh, Taiwan is the savior for their economy, which is going down the rat hole, it appears. What, what well, do you make of- a war could be the savior of their economy. So, I mean, that might not be s- such a bad idea. Well, Mike, what was what was so unique about? Uh, uh, well, when you, when you think about that, uh, World War II, out of all the combatants, the one who ended up with a way stronger economy than when they went in was the U.S. because th- there was no fighting here, and we were the breadbasket of the whole thing, and and the arms merchant, the whole thing. How many times has that ever really happened to anybody? I mean, if if you know if China starts a war, how's how's that good for them? We just we just happen to be in a position. Has has anybody ever been in a position quite like that? No, not to my knowledge, Tom. Although the Brits, you know, did pretty well for quite a long time. 
you know, they benefited from, you know, their empire, and there were quite a few wars. Uh, you know, they had the Indian wars, and they had Pakistan going on all the time. So, I mean, they probably benefited from the fact that they could ship stuff overseas. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I guess I'm trying to figure out what. I mean, I think if Taiwan were to to, to vote to go back to China or something like that, um, seeing as China or Taiwan's economy is better than China's, I, I'm guessing that might be accretive. But uh, I don't know if it's a big old shooting war where they wreck the place. How, how how's that accretive? Yeah, I don't think that helps. But it it might you know boost Chinese morale and things like that. But uh, you know, we we would have to see how that turns out. I think that China has the firepower to do it, and I don't know right now that we have the will to counter it. So I just think something could go very wrong sometime this year with Taiwan. What do you make of uh, all of a sudden the Japan loosening their policy a little bit, which means their stock market's at 35-year record highs? Um where do they sit in all this? Are they rearming? What are they doing? I think they're arming some, but you know they're supposed to be a pacifist nation at this point, just like uh, Germany. So, I mean, Japan would help us, uh, but I don't think they would. Uh, I think it would be probably financial help, maybe a little military help with vehicles and things like that. They've helped us in the past with those things, but. You know they're a pacifist nation at this point. How uh, Taiwan is not is not close enough to them where they would think it's problematic for them, would they? Or would they? No, I don't think so. But you know who knows? You know they might fear China. I mean, I mean China definitely wants to get even with Japan. I think for uh, for the atrocities during World War Two. So. Yeah. Well, <clears> there <throat> was a pretty bad ones. Yeah, what uh, what do you make of the hoodies, and why isn't uh, why aren't old Toyota trucks standard issue for our army? It seems to be everywhere else in the world. Well, that's how uh, the Japanese get rid of old vehicles, obsolescent vehicles. When I was in Africa, when I would traveled in Africa, I mean, we saw lots of old Toyota trucks. Really? You know, oh yeah, I mean they they dumped them in Uganda. The uh, in Rwanda they were being used heavily, and well, Burundi too. And when well, I was surprised at the amount of uh, roads that the Chinese were helping with, they were helping the Rwandan government build roads in Rwanda. Uh, they they didn't have an inroad in um, uh, Uganda at the time, but the Chinese have spread their influence in. Africa very well by giving them grants in order to build roads, and that's how they've uh, been able to get access to the rare minerals that they want. Mike, are these uh, these deals? I mean, we actually believe it or not, uh, well, the, the contributor to PTI that had the accident and died a few weeks ago, uh, Robin, she used to actually work at Pullman with the Export Import Bank to put up you know refineries and stuff in places, but. Those were all those were all loans to places that you know when you're done with a refinery or done with a water treatment plant, I mean you're you're going to charge people. So 
I think all that stuff was repaid. Is the, the Chinese stuff allegedly loans? I mean, are these toll roads? What, no, what? no, they are they're freebies. They're grants. That, really? That's how the Chinese make their inroads. And they've been doing it for years. So they just put up a road for somebody and say, it's, it's yours? Right. Well, that's what they did in Rwanda. I mean, I was I traveled on roads that the Chinese were building at the time. And then the Japanese give you old pickup trucks. You're good to go. Yeah, well... <laughs> That's what the, the Japanese, I think they might have donated them to the UN, and then through the UN they got to Africa. I mean, Uganda was full of white Toyota, those Hilux trucks, those little ones that they used to use all the time. So I went online and looked for machine gun mount for 75 Toyota, I could find one. You might be able to, yes. And and they jerry-rig a lot of stuff, too. I mean... yeah. So this is like the Rat Patrol only with Toyota trucks. That's exactly what it was. That's exactly God. right. And and they're spewing uh, black smoke. You know, they're all burning oil, but it, it, I don't think it mattered to the Africans. Uh, no. Time. So what 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 exactly? I mean, I, I don't get the connection between. Are they just getting paid by Iran? Why do the Houthis give a crap about? They Israel? are being they're being sponsored by Iran, and they they want to disrupt. Uh, trade in the Red Sea. They see that as hurting us, and anything that hurts us is good for them and for Iran. So, but the, and, why do why do the Houthi guys get behind this just for cash? Yeah, I'd say so. Yes. Did you? Uh, John, I don't know, John was on last week. Did you happen to? Lou was talking about the 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 <clears throat> Iran Iranians had just bombed or whatever the hell they did to some places in Pakistan. So Lou was talking about how. Why would they do something like that? They already got half the world pissed off at them. So I was reading later in the day, I get this thing from the Washington or uh, the uh, Wall Street Journal, that the Iranians bombed or did something, rocket attacked, uh, a bunch of Iranian separatists hanging out in Palestine, in uh, Pakistan. Yeah, so they hang out in Baluchistan, which is an area of uh, Pakistan. And actually, the Afghans used to hang out in Baluchistan also, so... I mean, it's kind. Of, Pakistan kind of harbors some people, harbors some separatists from both Afghanistan and uh, Iran. So. Well, then the next day, the Pakistanis allegedly uh, went after, went back after Iran, but they bombed or, or rocket attacked Pakistanian Pakistani guys that they didn't like that are hanging out in Iran. What what kind of a mess is it over there? Well, that, that's. That's what it is. It is a mess. The Iran's offer safe harbor, or the Iranians offer safe harbor to those Pakistani separatist groups. So I'm assuming there's no no such thing as an actual border. No, not really. I mean, it definitely in a, between Afghanistan and Pakistan, that's used. That was used heavily. There were areas of Pakistan that were used heavily by the Taliban, and they would go there and. That's how they would spend their winter. They would rest and rearm and train and all of that in uh, the remote areas of Pakistan. Well, I mean, is there even any attempt of the two countries to have a... You are now leaving one and entering the other, or you have no idea where you're at? Every once in a while there's an attempt, but in uh, between Pakistan and Afghanistan, it didn't really work at all. So, so there's no Rio Grande River between the two? No. And uh, if, I forget what... Um, Pakistan called there. I think it was like the. It's not the outback. It was the federal. 
the Fatah, I think, federally administered tribal areas. Really? In uh, in Pakistan. So it was really kind of a, like the Wild West, and that's where the Taliban would go for safe harbor. John, you got any quick questions? Because we're going to have to dash here pretty soon, unfortunately, because of the weather. John, you well, with us? I'm, I'm, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, I'm wondering about you know, China and Taiwan and how the Chinese influence in the United States, you know, financial connections uh, with you know, higher-ups in Congress and the administration, doesn't matter whether it's Democratic or Republican administrations, um, what that would do if, if you know, Taiwan became a flashpoint and how, uh, where would the influence that China has peddled in the U.S. play out in terms of our response? Would we be measured? Would we negotiate? Would we sacrifice Taiwan? Uh, how do you see this playing out, Mike? Well, I don't think we could sacrifice Taiwan, but I don't think, you know, we keep saying, the Navy guys keep saying that, you know, Taiwan is critical, and so the Navy would be uh, very reluctant not to support Taiwan. And uh, But I, I just don't think the Biden administration would go wholehearted. I you know, I think they've been paid off by China. I know that's a wild conspiracy theory, but um, and I just don't think that there would be that great of a reaction. We're already committed in two areas, and, and you know, now possibly with the Houthis in the Red Sea, you know, three areas. So it's not looking good for us, actually. Yeah. Well, Mike, I'm sorry about us being a little late this morning, but the weather uh, overwhelmed. I think the whole city here. Might have you back on later in the week if you don't mind. Uh, this is interesting stuff. We didn't, we didn't even get to Ukraine and what's going on there, but uh, obviously this—it's—it's it's all kind of isn't it kind of weird how it's kind of lurking all just a little outside the news with the ability to drop back in at any second. It seems. Well, Ukraine is essentially a stalemate, and until we get some additional monies to Ukraine, it will remain a stalemate. But you know, we just can't drop it. So. No, I know. I would agree. Mike, thank you. Jan, uh, we'll see you in your usual time on Thursday. Uh, S&P futures up 175. Nancy futures up 12. If Joel is on, let's just go right to him. Uh, wouldn't mind, Greg. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here,
Well, I'm going to play Jackson. I'm out great peppers on the board. Uh, SP Futures are up 250, NASDAQ up 15, down, up, down 33. So we got a little bit of a mixed bag, but we've been straight up. Over in Europe, uh, well, it says here European markets turn lower, but the FTSE's up down 36 cents. I don't think that's too much lower. The DAX is up 27 cents. So let's just say the European markets are flat. Over in Asia, this is kind of the big news this morning. Nikkei down 29, that's called that flat, but Hang Seng's up 392, 2.6%. 15,353, Shanghai up 13.5%, it's not much, 27.7, the reason why I say not much is uh, Chinese, China, which we're going to talk about with Kenny, uh, putting some huge stimulus in, and, and it's, some, it's not all obvious where it's coming from, because they're claiming 270-something billion uh, through offshore entities, whatever that means, and they also put aside 300 billion won of local funds that could be used to invest into onshore shares. Um, so, Maybe we have Joel. Good morning, Chief. Hey, Joel. How are you? All right. Well, I, I made it in from the parking lot. The uh, the entire city is a skating rink here. That's why we're a little late. Uh, yeah, yeah. It looks it looks like a school day here as well. Uh, boy, oh boy. Uh, same thing. Just uh, big ice storms. But uh, how you doing there, Chief? Uh, did you watch uh, my Motor City Kitties on uh, on Sunday? One game away from yeah. the Super Bowl. That's uh that's really something. I uh I thought they played well. I mean they they I, you know I think they have a real good team. You can sure you can sure tell at the last in the fourth quarter who has the best the best lines. They just kind of take control of the game, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know Dan Campbell. A lot of people uh, doubted him when he came in because he has that old school mentality. Uh, but uh, man, he's put it to work, and uh, you know kind of epitome. You know the city of Detroit. Hard working, you know, go to work and uh, really happy. I mean, looking forward to it. I mean, uh, obviously, San Fran's going to be tough. Depot Samuels is uh, a little banged up, always going on the road, but uh, they're relishing the underdog role. Looking forward to it. M- much more uh, looking forward to it than uh, my Michigan basketball team. Well, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> well, the, the, the Bears just got an offensive coordinator, but I was, I was, uh, I, I was, Dealing with some of my my creatures last night, and they're now they're all they're all happy. They're, they got a new coordinator. The plays will be better. And I said, <laughs> I said, you know, you watch these teams during the playoffs. The, the teams that win in the fourth quarter are capable of putting their tight end in the pattern. And you don't see Kelsey blocking every play, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean it, they, they, the offensive line's good enough to do the job themselves, to at least to a large extent. And every one of these teams in the playoffs, like the you know, this tackle, this guard, this center, three or four guys, three out of the five guys in the offensive line are like the top ten at their position. The Bears got nobody like that. I mean, the, the Detroit now is, seems like they got people that, that kid from Hutchinson's from Michigan, he's a, he's a phenom. Well, what was interesting about that L.A. game, the first game of the playoffs, is, uh, you know, because of the crowd. I mean, they uh, caused uh, the Rams that pull two timeouts, and then uh, I thought Sean McVay really, you know, had a chance to stop the clock before the two-minute warning. He should have known that if Detroit got one first down after the two-minute warning, the game was over. So it's one of those few games where defense uh, came through and it, it ended the game instead of the missed field goal like our suffering yeah. Buffalo Bills fans. Uh, just, oh, I mean, you think you have it bad being your sports team. So how do you feel being a Bills fan? But, um, you know, the, what are you guys going to do? I, I mean, 
if you if you tell everyone you traded Justin Fields, you're not going to get much for him. And is Caleb Williams that much better? I don't I don't think he's as big, is he? I mean, is, is he even six foot? I, I you know what? I just looked at what USC did, you know, in the second half of the season, and I I just was like I I don't know, you know, if you guys want to do that. But I've got a few minutes left here, Chief. What do you make uh, of the uh, What do you make of this big move of China? I'm just gonna. <laughs> Big move. Well, it's always it's been a big move down, a constant move down. Now they're pulling one out of our uh, tricks out of the U.S. Fed book and just throwing money at it. I mean, I don't know when the turn is coming. Alibaba up. You know, these stocks are trading up this morning, uh, but it just seems that you know every rally is just short lived. You're trading well below your COVID lows and the FXI. So. They keep trying things. I don't know when things are gonna, you know, are gonna happen. I think also U.S. investors are very hesitant to go into the uh, the Chinese markets, you know, based on you know what may happen. And it hasn't hurt the U.S. market so far. But if they decide to invade Taiwan, I mean, it's just we'll see if this rally holds today. You always when something's in a downtrend or uptrend. You look for a catalyst to turn things around. This is certainly a catalyst, but let's see if it can hold up for more well, than one day. I got day two two quick questions. Um, they claim they're getting two trillion yuan, just two hundred seventy-eight billion dollars through offshore entities. Who, who's that? <laughs> I saw that too. I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, I mean, could it be they're they're they're, they're selling treasuries? That's I what mean, I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, the bonds are down over a half a point, not really affecting the equities this morning. You're getting a boost from uh, U- uh, UAL. That's trading up two and a half bucks. So uh, based on that earnings showing the consumer is still uh, still spending some money, at least flying on United. I didn't have the most pleasant experience on that. Uh, but obviously, uh, that that's giving a boost to the airlines. Uh, we're in an area, too. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, for the S&P, the Dow, I mean, you're in an area of no resistance, right? Trading yeah. at all-time highs. So it, it's hard to get bearish when, when everything's are trading at all-time highs. You at least look for some uh, consolidation and uh, then, you know, maybe a move out of the lower end of the consolidation. A lot of earnings this week, Netflix, Tesla. Uh, so you're starting to get some of the big guns, 240 companies in total uh, reporting this week. And uh, I guess maybe look into Friday. Uh, Friday you have the PCE numbers, so we'll get the latest update on inflation. So what, um, that's where we're at. What do you mean? Real, 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 well, we got a couple minutes. Yeah. Why, how does, uh, it seems to me, and, I, and again, I don't, after living through a whole bunch of these things, long-term capital and the Russian debt and the Argentinian debt and all this crazy stuff. How is it for 20 years, everybody on TV did nothing but talk about China. you got every com- company in this country, not every, but a lot of them up to their eyeballs and, and stuff over there. Now, granted, some of this has come down in the last few years with the COVID stuff and some of their policies, and uh, neither one of the last two presidents, this guy or Trump, have, has been all that happy with China. So I think we have seen some stuff come this way but it's hard for me to imagine is there real estate and stuff we're not talking about stocks that are, oh. are low that are going to come back up we're talking about places that are out of business how, how how exactly is nobody here hurt that we know of i i can't i can't i just can't i hope i hope that's true but i, I can't imagine it can you no 
No, I mean, there has to be some exposure. Uh, you worry about some of the U.S. banks, right? And, uh, you know, we're looking for whatever with the uh, uh, with the commercial real estate debt. Uh, you don't know what, you know, what they have um, with that. And then also their exposure to China. But it's one of those things where you don't know until you know and your stock opens down 15, 20%. So, yeah, you have to dig into the weeds. And I don't even know if you could find that information with the exposure there. But, uh, you know, there's things, you know, you talk about, you know, areas of the United States and projects and things that are coming back. Well, you know, or, you know, have go through cycles. Well, they were at least built up first, right? And they're in place. Now you're just looking at abandoned structures that are not going to be finished and are using up or have already used up resources. So, uh, you know, I dipped my toe in uh, China a little bit last year and got it cut off. So I'm keeping that foot out of the water for quite some time. Well, I mean, common sense would tell you that there are some companies over there that are just down with all the rest of the stocks and are actually pretty good buys. But there's also probably some that are just playing out of business. And I don't know, I, I, would know, I wouldn't know which one from the next. I mean, and what about all the people that, uh, not all the people, but the mainland China, we've never traded in that stuff here at PTI, but uh, you have a better feel for this market-wide. How popular do those uh, ETFs ever become on mainland China? Do they, do they ever become popular or not? We never, we've never had a client want one. No, I I have. I mean, if anything, I, you know, going into the U.S., you know, if you're going to do that, you know, you're better off doing it, you know, doing it here than going in the overseas markets. But just keep an eye on Alibaba trading at a forward P.E. of 7.18. If this was a U.S. tech stock, huh, you'd yeah. be all over it. But, um, you know, just get, look for some kind of solid technical more, uh, formation. And a turnaround, Pindo Duo Holdings is the one that's been holding up incredibly well. So if you're long that one, you know, congratulations. But, boy, I, you know, I keep my eye on that as well. But uh, got to hop, Chief. All right, uh, bud. Out, out next Tuesday, but I will send you an email to remind you, okay? Are you on a skybox for the Super Bowl if you guys go? Uh, I, I, I spent my money on Michigan. I spend my money on Michigan national championships, but uh, if my if my son-in-law wants to go, uh, we'll see if we can uh, dip into the cookie jar and uh, maybe find a few shekels to go. Well, if you play Kansas City, I expect to see you right next to what's her name, Taylor. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, why don't we have the two most popular people in the world right next to each other? You and her. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> SB Futures up a buck seventy-five. Kansas Futures up seventeen. Be right back. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. 
Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Jocks. Jocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello, I'm Stocks and Jocks. I'm talking about Greg on the board. SP Futures up a buck and a quarter, and NSA Futures up 11. Got a couple of uh, earnings reports. We've got United Airlines uh, up 246. That's 6%. Uh, John, you're back. Good morning again. Yeah, but, well, we're trying. We're trying to save you from going outside and, and knocking your head. <laughs> Not a chance today, Tom. No, this is. Uh, I can see from my front window. What it looks like mad. I uh, I pulled out of the garage, and I, in order, there's a little bit of snow behind the garage. I had to, I had to put it in four wheel drive on the ice. The thing wouldn't even move. It was just glare ice. And the part walking. Yeah, I could, and I could see yesterday. I was outside just putting some more de-icer down, and I, you know, I'm not going to bother right now because I'll just I'll break my head if I go out and put anything down on the sidewalk. Well, we, we already have one member of the group that, that bounced putting out salt down. We're not going to say it was Greg or anything like that, but yeah, pain. Oh, boy, I, I feel for you, Greg. That's my biggest fear. Oh, it, it's yeah, it doesn't feel good. Uh, anyway, we wanted to ask you about. Did you see this new thing between the mayor and the governor? Yeah, I just caught a little bit of it last night when I was watching somebody's news. Yeah, this um, is this is what the governor said. I'm deeply concerned. The city has not told the state where they would like to put our resources to build new shelters. So we can't help if they don't identify these locations. I'm hoping that at least the plan that I read this morning, actually in your column, is not the only one that they will end up carrying out. So, the... 
the mayor's hundred million dollar uh, real estate tax hike is getting rejected by the governor, and now they I guess they have no plan for the migrants. So, well, you know, this bring Chicago home initiative is pushing the uh, item on the referendum in March. Uh, was not, this was not supposed to be on the ballot it was, well, I thought it was left I thought the city council had voted not to include it all of a sudden now it's on the ballot but it's like an enabling resolution that says the city council will now have the right if this thing passes to set up some kind of structure for where the money is going to be spent which you know freaks me out knowing what the city council is like today I wouldn't trust these people to take any big chunk of money and spend it intelligently when it comes to emotional issues. Well, they issued like, uh, a response, you know, not even a few hours later, and they said that we're one of thirteen hundred municipalities, and give us more money. <laughs> give us more money. Okay. That's that's what community organizers do for a living. When they can become mayor, that's all he's doing now. Give me more money from the federal to state. Yeah. Was it Milton Friedman, Tom, who said that you know, the one sure way to make sure a problem doesn't go away is to keep throwing money at it? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Do you think he's positioning for for president? Trying to distance himself? Fritz, Fritzker? From absolutely. Yeah. Oh, a- yeah, absolutely, Greg. Absolutely. Greg. And he's, he sees this guy as a millstone around his neck. I mean, he, I think he's tried to like keep it peaceable and not have open disputes that, that the press will make a meal out of. But I think he, even he, sees that Johnsonism is in way over his head and is not not likely to help anybody who backs him strongly. So Prisker is, is as crass a politician as they come, I think. And he's, he realizes that Johnson can't do anything to help him. John, do you think he's, think, uh, if, if the... Uh, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that he's, A, he, he ran, I don't know, the richest guy in Chicago out, and now... So that was probably one of the more right people, and now one of the more left people. He's he's thrown. I don't know. Is that good or bad? Well, it was. I think it was bad to drive Ken Griffin out. Yeah, but to, and this the, the, the emotional price that the city pays for having a high-profile guy like that sort of you know, reluctantly part company with the city uh, because of his, his financial. <laughs> Well, supposedly Craziness. it was because his car, his car got carjacked right in front of him. That would, that would kind of make me think twice about sticking around. Well, I mean, what, what do you guys? I mean, uh, I know where John's come down is because they're they're right right wing idiots that are their governors, one being DeSantis <laughs> and the other guy in Texas. But what do you, what do you make of this in general? Um, trying to hijack other people's I won't say other people's businesses, but um, I think. The, the city here and the SEC and all the people involved in the uh, trading industry. I don't think, John, and I uh, know Greg, you've been around in the business long enough, I don't think those people, and they should have all the numbers, ever had an appreciation of what that business was like here, well, how, how key that was to Chicago. They, did, they didn't care when people got booted off the trading floors. Now, when I'm, I, I'm not going to want to go back to runners and all that kind of stuff. I'm not that much of a Luddite. But when you got rid of the open outcry system, it could either have been done inclusively or exclusively. And it was done exclusively. We, we're going we're gonna to allow three or four people to have the fastest feeds so they're going to be able to 
uh, compete on a level where other people can't. So where a Ken Griffin's group, for instance, is going to get a faster feed than the trading floor, which is so screwed up I can't even I can't even go there. Uh, so we we could easily have had it would look a lot different. You could have two, three hundred, four hundred people on a trading floor, where the, where they have the best feeds around and they can access the markets as they as they wish electronically. And if especially on the, on the option side, you could have spread trading, complicated trades done essentially in person, although you enter them through electronics. I understand that. Uh, you don't have to have it set up so only four people can be involved in this. So when you do that, and all of a sudden you've got a whole part of the city that used to have thousands of people in this industry. Now, it wouldn't have as many. I get that part. But you, you don't really almost have anybody. You have a small trading floor in a couple of places just to appease people. You, all you do is charge for quotes. And you have the mayor of Miami. What's, what started a lot of this, the mayor of Miami, there was a big financial conference down in Miami. Russell knows the whole story. Um, I'm going to say four or five years ago. And the mayor went to every single booth and said, what are you guys doing up there? It's falling apart. Come down here. Okay, and we'll give you all these, these I, don't know, I don't know what kind of breaks they gave them. Same way with Texas. There's more financial people now in Dallas than there are in Chicago. I mean, uh, what? Well, we, we'll, we can ask, well, we'll ask. I, don't, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't one of the groups that got pulled, but, um, hell, if you want to opine in, please. So they essentially... This constant grabbing somebody from another state, giving them tax perks that not everybody in your state has, and giving them... Sp- I mean, for God's sake, John, even, even Caesar, I don't think, was in this situation where, oh, I like you, the tax is 40%, by the way, you can only pay 20 for a while. I, 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 that, to me, is unconscionable. I mean, but, but it seems to be um, what, what's happening, and, it has, and it's happened for a while. And a lot of times, these places don't even work out. I mean, do, do we and it's not just interstate, Tom. It's intrastate. What's, oh, it's yeah. the same thing going on the, the city and its you know collar counties and downstate. I mean, the, the divisiveness in the you know the, the positioning for for economic opportunities and the aggressive competition against you know other political bodies and the kind of pitch that's being used to say don't go there, go here. I, I'm a little you know I'm, I'm very disappointed see how this is going to play out over the long haul because it's we're, we're, we're already so politically divided you know if you blur all the boundaries and get them out of the way there's very little speaking across the battle lines here and now you've got these these political boundaries that are pitching people against each other and i you can really understand why things fell apart in the 19th century yeah, where it was very easy easy to draw a, a line saying it's it's us versus them, and you, no truck between the, the, these two sections whatsoever. And it took us a long time to try to put that aside, and we're right back pitching it again now. You've got you know people in Congress calling the Confederacy traitors. I mean, this is this is all about now the moral high ground and you know snubbing or insulting people who don't have the same state flag you do this, this is never a good thing for a country that, that that thrives on its federation of keeping people speaking to each other and competing healthily and not just you know trashing each other so well, I, 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 mean, don't, I don't see a lot of good you know what's what's funny john it came kind of a flashlight last night flash thanks for the flash gordon uh, we were having a couple of cocktails over at this uh, greg's place the series last night and it just kind of struck me, of course, there was, you know, when Greg's there, we, not this Greg, another Greg, we started talking about politics. And it just kind of struck me that you know, as, as this election is shaping up, 
mean, whatever side you're on, what's with it? Whatever side you're on is is how bad you think the other guy is. It has nothing to do with how good your guy is. <laughs> it's a, it's if he's if the other guy is worse. I mean, am I pretty much correct on that? I mean, it's yeah, and that was that was the run up in the 19th century too in the presidential campaigns. There's, there's a desperate quality when you look at the political cartoons of the 1840s and 50s and the the you know, slavery debate hovering over everything and the, and the sectionalism and the factionalism and the the know nothing party all, all these like whacked out fringe groups that were you know playing it out on the national stage at least those guys named hate, themselves but, right the know nothing party yeah and you have you know, people <laughs> being you know physically beaten up in the yeah. house of representatives in the senate um we're right back where we were we, we did not you know learn our lesson very well maybe no lesson gets learned forever but uh, we're, we're right back where we were just, you know. Well, I'd like you both your and Hal's comment. Jim, if you want to hang out a few more minutes, uh, I'd love to have you have a few questions for Hal as well. But, you know, here's here's the one I was thinking about last night, is now that we have two people running, and, you know, again, I'm not telling you who you should, whatever you, uh, first of all, nobody listen to me. Why would you? Uh, in terms of who you like the better or who, you, or who do you who do you like the least worst or wherever you want to put it. I, it, it crossed my mind last night. I actually got the table to agree that not one major in, inflation will not even be an issue because we're going to spend all our time figuring out which one of these guys is a bigger goofball. It, inflation will not be an issue. Jobs, real jobs, uh, price of education, none of that stuff, taxes or anything, is even going to be uh, the things that ought to be issues. These guys should be campaigning on how they're going to manage defense and the economy and people should be choosing on policies not on who's more likely to, to, to melt down two months into office or whatever it is we're going to be talking about uh, S&P futures up four days those should not be the issues I don't think but, but that would just be me be right back Stacks and Jacks interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs traders executives and the everyday business person consider advertising on stocks and jocks with a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamau. The slightly bounced bounced on the ground. Greg Pappas on the board, but he's a trooper. He's here. SP Futures up 450. Nasdaq Futures over 2425. So, how exactly, if, if you're already wounded, if I if I conked over in a parking lot, were you going to come pick me up? Yeah, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> but they'd be slipping down. We'd both be on the ground. That wouldn't be so hot. Yeah. That, that'd just Grab be a cigarette or some. Yeah, we just sit there and wait till wait till it melted or what? Yeah. Just, anyway, Hal, welcome. Uh, Having John hang on because he he got some uh, questions for you as well. Hey, first of all, what are, I don't know if you read this stuff about the Chinese. I sent it to you last night. They're 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 aiming to get two trillion yuan, which is two hundred seventy eight billion dollars, through offshore entities. Do you have any idea who they're talking about? Is it are they U.S. Treasuries or their own offshore stuff? Yeah, I haven't had a chance to look at that, uh, Tom. Sorry. Well, no, but that's they said that, and they claim 
Yeah. They put aside three hundred billion out of local funds that could <laughs> be used to invest into shares. Boy, that that's a recipe for disaster if you, if you buy them too high, isn't it? Well, I, I saw the uh, article you shared with me about the Federal Reserve. Um, I think you sent it to my Westminster email. All right. I don't, I don't use Westminster email much anymore, but I saw that article about the Federal Reserve um, kind of using, you know, insider information um, about you know certain trades. And I mean, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, if you know when the Fed is going to be easy, right? If you know the Fed's going to be easy and lower interest rates and print a bunch of money, man, put all your money in the S P five hundred. And if then if you know. Uh, the Fed's going to start hiking interest rates and curtailing money growth, uh, slipping into something nice and uh, sure with a uh, with a dividend or, or or a nice yield. Just you know, uh, collect all those payments. Um, so that's what I would do. I mean, if I was at the Fed, I mean, I'd be tempted to do it. I'm not saying I would, but I'd be tempted to do it. And I can understand why they're doing it because well, I mean, the Fed creates the business cycle, right? We know that. We know they, the Fed uh, creates. The if, if you gave me labor numbers, if you gave me earnings numbers, and not what the chairman was going to say. With all my experience, I don't think, uh, and Greg, agree with me or not, I don't think I could make a whole lot of money front-running that information. Labor numbers, mm-hmm. I'm sure I couldn't. Yeah. You, you well, the labor numbers now are so um, untrustworthy. You, I, give I mean, me, I, you give me a few Fed speeches and a yeah. couple of Fed policy changes and I'm going to say an orangutan can make money, and I'm a little better than an orangutan. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if you know exactly when the Fed is going to start its hiking cycle, man, you you, you kind of sell your positions and you play it safe. Okay. So what do you make? You know, All right. I want. Having said that, and I, I, have, I didn't lure you into this, John. I didn't lure him on purpose. Um, <laughs> um, there's, gonna, there's going to be <laughs> there's going to be 50 talking heads on TV every single day. Talking about if the Fed starts lowering rate, you got to be in the market, and yeah. how how the, you you do realize that the market is now higher than when they started raising rates. Well, yeah, I mean because I don't think I don't think the inflation stopped. No, I don't think it has uh, either. I think the Fed had to raise interest rates. What I'm saying, my point I mean, is, is, is the market is now higher. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is they they had to raise interest rates because when they don't raise interest rates. Um, the reserves that they've created is like a reserve behind a dam. And you got to lift that dam up to prevent that water from overtopping the dam. So they're just raising interest rates to keep all that money they printed in the banking system. And you can see this with the repo market. I think the reason why the repo market is kind of collapsing is because they got to raise interest rates. They got to keep, they got to keep raising interest rates to keep all those reserves that they printed in the banking system. And they have a tool called interest on reserves, which is the dam which is an adjustable height dam that keeps those reserves there. And that's why they've been able to print all this money. If it wasn't for interest on reserves being a binding price floor on reserves, then we would have had a much worse inflation. So they they have to they have to raise interest rates to keep those reserves in there. And so they're still creating inflation. Do you they think how they did that? Higher. Do you think they did that on purpose or they actually poured so much money into the system the system couldn't even absorb it? Well, from the interactions I had with uh, some Federal Reserve people at some conferences back in circa 2008-2009, um, I think because the interest on reserves thing was enacted in 2006, I believe, and was supposed to go into effect in 2011, but they brought it to 2008 to help with the financial crisis. 
I think the Federal Reserve was thinking, man, if we don't bring that tool to 2008 and we put a, a floor on mortgage-backed securities and other CDOs, um, if we put a floor on that by buying all that, that garbage up, interest rates go negative. So they, they had to fast forward to 2008, October of 2008, so they could buy all that all that stuff. And what it, what they did, I think what they discovered is it's a dam. And they can, they, they don't have to buy and sell, they don't have to do open market purchases and sales to affect changes in interest rates. All they have to do is lift that, that floor. They well, that's be, I think that's because, actually, I don't know how you managed to find a, uh, a Fed person. I would say... Uh, Oh, he gave, he gave a presentation uh, uh, when at uh, one of the conferences. I'm just I'm trying to be somewhat funny here, but telling the truth. <laughs> um, I used to meet the uh, Fed people. They, they used to hang out at the same couple of tables right around us over at the series. Mm-hmm. And so I, w- I got to know a lot of these guys, and uh, a couple of them are really good friends. You know what? All the people in the country that are back to work, they're not. Yeah. None of them are back to work. Yeah. You, if you come into the if you come into the building, you have to let them know a week in advance so they reserve a desk for you or something. Hmm. How how could everybody else in the freaking country be back to work except those guys? Yeah, I I suspect people in the VA and Department of Defense are probably still working from home too, or doing something from home. <laughs> yeah, they're quote unquote working. Yeah, but uh, one of the guys told me one night that uh, I did not know, and you're the professor, Jan, or if you knew. You ever heard of you ever heard of M M zero? M zero is I think it's uh, all the res- I think a component of it is all the reserves that created right. It's it's the but, the money that's back on deposit the Fed overnight. Yeah, yeah. And at one point with with the COVID fiasco when they were pouring all that money in, M zero was bigger than M one. Yeah, yeah. Which is well, that's what that's, what they gotta, that's, that's exactly what you're talking about. Can, by the way, that's exactly what you're think talking they about. Can, I don't think they can lower interest rates honestly because I think once they start lowering those interest rates that money's going to overtop the dam well, you, you can't, and it's going to flood out of the economy how do you, how do you this, this game they're playing and John feel free to pile in this game they're playing where they're raising interest rates without lowering the money supply yeah. that I don't, I, don't, I don't think they get anywhere if you do that yeah. and, and they're not getting well, anywhere it doesn't appear I think, to me I think you still get the inflation I mean, that's what I'm saying I think you still do people People are still, if it wasn't for the interest on reserves, the inflation we would have would be much, much worse. So that tool is keeping some of those reserves in the banking system, but I think there's still a lot leaking out. And that, that those reserves that are leaking out get multiplied, and you get the inflation. John, so tell I us if we're over everybody's head here. But I, yeah, I don't, think, I, don't think, I don't think they can lower rates, honestly, because I think if they start doing that, man, that money's going to come out. It's going to come out, and they're going to get hit in the face with uh, some inflation. Well, let's, let's, I don't think they're going to be able to hide it. No, let's let's back up a hair here because the world used to be if a bank needed some reserves overnight or had excess reserves that you would loan them to another bank. As a matter yeah. of fact, one mm-hmm. of the guys, uh, I think you probably met him at the uh, at the Triple E Gen, uh, Todd. He's like the part owner. He, he, that, oh, was, yeah. that was his job. Was was yeah. he was he was a Fed funds trader overnight. And uh, and when the COVID thing started, man, I didn't see him too often because the bar was closed. He said, "No, I, re- I retired." I go, "Why'd you retire?" He goes, "Because there is no Fed funds market." Yeah. They, they, everybody, if you have excess reserves, the the the, the Fed is paying for it. 
because there's yeah. so much slosh in the system that nobody. What they started doing is they started um, get a load of this. This is why uh, one of my buddies, the Fed, actually was part of this invention. I don't know if you knew this hell or not. That the the uh, clearing clearing uh, facilities like Board of Trade clearing and OCC now have their own direct access to the Fed. Mm. Now you might say, why the hell do they need that? Well, they they somehow I don't know it was part of Dad Frank or what it was, but if a bank if if you gave them money, like the clearing uh, clearing facility might have three four hundred million overnight to the positive, and the next night have it to the negative and need it because of people's clearing balances. It had nothing to do with all of a sudden people are long need to pay for long stock or short stock depending on option X, whatever it was. And if you got to the point where if you wanted to deposit four or five hundred million dollars at a bank, they wouldn't take it because it was considered to be like fast money or something something where they actually needed more capital. So you, you so if you tried to dump it at JP Morgan, I mean they they had to ask Jamie Diamond personally if they'll take the check. Mm. And and I'm sitting here going, wait a minute. So so we got banks that you can't give them money, and oh by the way, they're not <laughs> making they're not making loans. What what exactly do they do? <laughs> yeah. So well, I, I think honestly, I think they sit back. They have all these excess reserves, and the Fed pays them four or five percent annually. Well, Todd uh, told me that the last night that he made a an overnight. How can you not? How, yeah. can, you not, how, how can you not uh, win on that situation where you don't do anything? You check Facebook all day and you just send yeah. the reserves and you click four and a half percent. I think uh, John he said that the last night that he did a tr- uh, or something something Northern Trust had excess dough or somebody and they lent it to somebody. I thought he said it was like fifty hundred some big number, fifty eighty million bucks, and the interest rate on it didn't cover the cost of the wire transfer mm. overnight. <laughs> What, what's the wire transfer? Twenty bucks? Yeah. <laughs> so wait a minute. I just lent somebody eighty million bucks overnight, and, and I, I'm a net loser on the deal. Hal, I'm wondering if the you know the, what you're seeing in China with the stock market, and it, and it, was, it, it seems to me to be just a you know a, a, what the spectacular loss in confidence in the Chinese bubble really is, is translating to. Oh, it's but just I, one I, big I, bubble. By date, that, yeah. You know, might, I had my date wrong yesterday was when I was on your show, Tom. But the Evergrande bankruptcy hearing is this coming Monday, the 29th. Oh, wow. And I'm wondering if, the, if this, you know, the teetering stock mess in, in China and the attempt to shore it up with whatever these offshore entities are, it's probably foreign governments, I would bet, too, that are calling in favors. Is this because they know that when the, the, the dust settles or when the dust explodes in the Ever, Evergrande, that the stock market all across the board is going to take an enormous hit and that they're trying to, to cushion that blow uh, in advance. Well, yeah, see, what- the problem with China is that China is, they, they don't have alternative narratives. It, it's the, you know, the, the Keynesian narrative, right? I mean, in the United States, you have a debate between monetarists, Austrians, and uh, half Keynesians who are politicians who only want to cut taxes. And these increased government spending, they don't want to do the other part of Keynesianism. And then you got the, the true Keynesians. So you have a debate in the United States. But in China, man, they're all they're all in on that Keynesian nonsense, right? And so you don't have any pushback. Uh, it, there's a it's a herd mentality. And so the CP, CCP, everybody has to think this way, right? And so when everybody has to think this way, you have this herd, and they, they can't see the cliff, man. And they're yep. just going over the cliff now. I mean, they, they don't have any debate there. You can't disagree with the CCP. John, what's the timing on the Evergrande versus the guys right behind them? They're actually like two or three times as big, right? 
Uh, yeah, the country gardens. I'm not sure when their you know, day of reckoning is, but it's it's going to be in short order, I suspect, because they're all, you know, they're in the same boat, I, I think, as far as their ability to survive this. It's, it's well, they're big, they're bigger, right? They're a lot bigger, I think. Yeah, they're bigger than the Evergrande. Um, and they're all, you know, they're, they're all, you know, subject to the same pressures, and none of them are good. So I'll have to check on, on Country Gardens' timetable, but the Evergrande one, I think, will set the pace for that, because I don't see Country Gardens ending up any better than the Evergrande debacle will, and I think it's going to leave the, the not only the real estate market in China in tatters, yeah. but everything else, too. Well, you know, this is just a, a, an example of why we didn't need to listen to Trump about how China's kicking our butt in trade. Because what China was doing, I mean, Trump kept saying that uh, China's a currency manipulator. And I'm like, yeah, they are. Well, we are too. All they're doing is they're, they're printing enough money of their local currency to keep their their exchange rate with the United States. And the United States is flooding the, the, the economy with money. So the Chinese have to flood. And in China, it, it's even worse because there's no debate. There's no pushback. And... and uh, and it's and I noticed this like back in 2008, 2009 when I read articles. You know, in, in the United States, our our uh, housing bubble was you know some empty condo buildings in San Diego and Miami that people didn't live in, right? But China had these cities, massive cities, replicas of Paris that nobody was living in, and they're doing that to juice their GDP numbers of the provinces. So this is just one big bubble that essentially begins with the Fed. And so I never, ever once in my classes told my students that I was ever worried about China because I thought they were just uh, Keynesianism on steroids, and there was no debate, and they're going to go over the cliff. And I've been saying it for like since 2008, 2009. But hell, the mechanism for companies to go over there, and I have, I told you over the story, Jan, or hell, that I was a member of the Economic Club of Chicago for a while. Uh, Jimmy Tyree got me in there, and uh, well, they, he sponsored me, and somebody else did as well. And uh, and I, you know, got the interview when I'm in. And then I used to go, Jimmy, to these these things. All of a sudden, Jimmy gets sick and dies, so I got nobody to go with. So I kind of let it slide. It's not, I mean, I, I don't, you know, none, none of the none of the guys I know on the show even own a tux, right? So he had a tux. So it wasn't like I was going to buy a table and, and drag Greg Pappas and the gang to the, to the to the Economic Club of Chicago thing. Uh, so I, just, I, I stopped doing it, but the. Uh, the the interesting uh, part of, of all that was they they would uh, they had a, they had a they, they just had a little cocktail party beforehand right and in those days I was an inch and or two taller so I'd go stand there and, and if, somebody would always come by and especially if, if a lady was tall she'd come by and want to stand next to me and would drink it wasn't like phone numbers or anything so one guy comes by and he one of the ladies I was talking to worked for the Chinese consulate. And uh, so this guy comes by to me, and he says, you know, I recognize you from the radio and so forth. And he goes, I'm looking to put a plant over in China. How do I do it? And I said, well, my suggestion would be, I mean, I'm no consultant on this. I said, my suggestion would be, uh, I would call the Chinese consulate here and just say, what do I do? And uh, by the way, the ladies gave me her card. Here, you could have it. I'm not going to call her. Uh, And he did. He called me back a couple months later. He said, yeah, the deal, they would have a deal if they would... Think of your business, and now if your customers had gone over there, uh, say you had a group that was, uh, you know, they they did clothes, and and you sold buttons. Well, you know, you got to sell the buttons to the people who make the clothes, right? So, you know, if you don't want to go to China, I mean, you're going to have to have a button place near where the clothes are being made. 
So it, you know, it's kind of a one one piggy move up. And you know, one person goes. We had a guy on the show here who was uh, he did coatings. Don't call it Teflon coatings on pots and pans. And when they started making all the pots and pans over there, he had to make the coatings over there. You know, he yeah. didn't want to. But anyway, so the deal is, they will sit down with you and say, well, you you belong in this province because uh, you know that's. Uh, that's a lot of people doing the same thing you're doing are all in this area. By the way, we'll, we'll assign you some, I'll use the term schmo, from the political group, probably somebody's son or daughter from the, the top or nephew, and they'll work you through all this stuff, and you essentially pay them as a, you know, what do, you, what do they call them in Mexico, the uh, facilitator, and, you know, they, they end up being finding you the spot, and, and I think they make sure you don't have any labor problems because they're from government. And it all and those are the people that make all the money. So it's, yeah. it's kind of siphoned off the top. But I mean, that's been the way it's been there for like a real long time. So there's a lot of people that are up their eyeballs there. But all of a sudden, you know, I don't know how much the investment is. And over, you know, maybe it was 20 years ago, it's something they fully depreciated or whatever. But there's a, a boatload of people that have big money over there. Like I said, maybe it's been so long it's all been depreciated, but if, if uh, you got to be careful when you do markets. I mean, if, you, if, the, if the U.S. market went flying down, all right, I mean, I'll see how it doesn't seem like everyone wants to, but if it ever did, you could look at a, a, you know, a stock like, you know, pick a number, IBM, G, any, and you can say, well, God, these things are down 80%, which I hope never happens. They're like a really good buy here. I mean, if, if we can just, uh, why do stocks get lower than they should be? Because people have margin loans, they're forced to sell them, I and it happens. It's the other yeah. side of enthusiasm. But in China, it looks to me like some of these places, there's just nothing there. It's like buying Bear Stearns. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. that, what, I mean, like you know, the the garden place. What, where, where are you going to pick that up? A penny? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there's, there's no number there, is there, John? That you, no. you that you would really no want? No meaningful number. I mean, there's no value, I think, in these assets, and they're all going to hit the. the at the same moment, pretty much, and when people realize how overvalued everything was and what, what things are really worth, it's going to just take the heart out of the economy. What's the difference? Uh, now, Hal, I'm going to ask you to be a both both a, a math economist and a behavioral economist here. In, in, in this country that I know of, say, say where Audrey lives, he's got, this guy buys. I don't know, John. What's what's like a three, four blocks by three, four blocks, however many acres he's got. He's doing a subdivision, right? And uh, and he's got people that have given him deposits. And, you know, obviously the weather in the last few weeks has caused him to stop construction, but the streets are in, the sewers are in. I mean, it's really pretty interesting to watch. And uh, and there, there's going to be a big community there. I mean, I don't know how many units, say uh, 200. Now, he's got deposits from people. Well, I assume if he doesn't make it, he's got to give the money back if it's there. But the, the people don't pay their first mortgage until they, quote, move in, correct? So, right. the, so the financing is on him. So somebody somewhere, a bank, a bunch of people somewhere, has loaned him the, whoever, 50 million bucks it takes to, to build this place. And uh, he's got a, you know, a price at which he's going to make some money. Now in China, it appears it's different where people, instead of giving somebody deposit, they actually take ownership and start paying a mortgage even though they're not in the place. But maybe, maybe the place isn't even built. Right, the place isn't even built. So a lot of these cities, the people never even moved in. There's people that are actually paying mortgages. Now, I guess from a from a national standpoint, though, the debt is sort of still the same, isn't it? I mean, it's no different other than who's 
I mean, the, the guy in the Rodri, if all of a sudden he says, I'm stopping, he's some bank is on the hook for, say, 50 mil, or if people had mortgages instead of gave deposits, they're on the hook for 50 mil. The, the number's kind of the same, isn't it? I mean, it, how it plays out maybe isn't the same, but uh, how would, is, in terms of actual cash, I don't see much different. Where am I wrong? Well, I think, I, and correct me on this, Hal, I'm not sure, but it would seem that you know the, the Chinese investors, the families that bought apartments, whatever, in these non-existent projects, I had been on the hook for it, are stuck in that they may never get their money back and they don't have a place to live and they'll never be in the housing market in China again until there's some attempt to make them whole. And I just don't see there being enough money around to do that. So you've, you've in effect, destroyed your buying class for the next generation or two by having these people tied up in projects that have gone south. Um, they can't get into the places they have money into already, and they'll never have enough money to, you know, assemble an egg to get together to buy something else. So you've, you've effectively destroyed your, your buying market for real estate, and they'll be they'll be so soured on the idea of it that they'll never want to go near it again. They'd rather immigrate or go under underground or something to avoid getting tied up in this one more time. So I yeah, it sounds like. Special. It sounds like the uh, you can think of them paying mortgage payments without living into the into the apartment, kind of like a putting money into a, a failed bank. You know, you're depositing money into this bank, and the bank goes under, and and I don't see any backstop to it at all. So, um, I mean, it kind of it also kind of sounds like the uh, the people back in the early two thousands who were not living in condos, but they were buying the condo and then hang on to it for a couple of years. And they get a twenty percent appreciation. They try to sell it, right? Right. But to me, it just kind of sounds like you know it's a, a weird way to bank because you're essentially putting your money into this building. You're depositing money into it, and it's essentially a bank, right? You're you're, you're hoping for maybe they bought it as a speculation. Maybe they bought it to eventually move into it. I don't know what their motivation is, but I suspect since nobody else was living in these cities, I, I suspect they're probably hoping it was a nice investment. And you know it's it's a bank essentially that failed, and they're not going to get their uh, deposits back. Well, if everybody just if that's the only asset they have, and everybody declared bankruptcy, yeah. it almost wouldn't make any difference. The same bank instead of holding mortgages mm-hmm. would have held the builder's loan. But if you don't yeah. let people declare bankruptcy, or if it's a second house, like you're saying, Hal, and now now you're in trouble on the first house as well. Well, that's yeah. that's a whole different program, right, for an individual. Yeah, I I just. You know, I never thought this story in China was. Uh, I never thought about like jumping out on China because you know I just saw it as a place where, again, there's no debate. You, you can't disagree with the CCP. If you disagree with the CCP, you get disappeared like that. That billionaire in China who was Jack, a member of the CCP. Jack Ma. Well, no, this was another guy. He was yeah. critical of uh, Z, Xi for uh, his COVID response, and the guy just disappeared up and disappeared. So you can't debate, you can't exchange ideas, you can't uh, poorly uh, informed opinion can't be righted with the collision of opinions that are backed up by evidence and and reason. So none of that happens. So I'm not surprised that China's going over the cliff. Just not. What makes you think Scotty didn't just beam him out? Just disappeared. He might be somewhere. Yeah. He might be on another planet. <laughs> where, where, where did Jack Ma go for like? Six months. Well, now, well, now he. I think he's like teaching at a Japanese university or something. Like really? Already he's teaching. Yeah, yeah. 
So he doesn't, but he, the weird part there is, and again, I was, boy, talking about a voice in the wilderness. I don't think I was even doing the show. When, when did uh, Baidu come on, uh, come, come on the New York Stock Exchange? Was that 15 years ago? I don't even remember. It was a long time. But I, I think there, there used to be rules to be on the New York Stock Exchange. The, the, you had to have the stock had to be voting stock, I think, right, Hill? Um, oh, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. Huh? I mean, but you, but you, it would, you know, to be on the Stock Exchange and be listed there was a big deal. And, and, and yeah. of course, as, as everybody starts scrambling for the business, everybody, everybody, you know, the, the deal becomes less and less. And uh, so the, uh, I think that he personally owned all the well. If he could, you know, nobody owns anything over there. If, the, if the, all of a sudden the party decides they want it, I think he personally owned all the assets of Baidu. And I think mm. the stock, this boy, you know what, Greg, critique me on this. I, I think what you what you got as a, as a shareholder were the the profit stream out of Bermuda or something like that. Something, but you you never had any asset because the assets were on on mainland China, so they could never come to you because the party would never let them out of China. So I think they had some kind of a scheme where he actually had all the the private. The actual assets of the company, you know, the trucks and all the other stuff, were all in his name, and 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 when the money flowed through Bermuda, and that's what you participate, you as a shareholder participated. But you, you had no vote, I don't think. So as, as time went by, you know, uh, all these rules that you had to be on these stacks. I'll give you a good one, and then we'll we'll uh, go to break. And we'll let John dash. John, thank you for helping us out, but hang for a couple of minutes. These ETFs on the Bitcoin. That, that, that you were know, supposedly going to run Bitcoin way up, and actually did get it up to forty six thousand, but now it's come back pretty hard from there. Uh, the ETFs get a load of this. Al. one is not fungible; it is not an offset to the other. Mm-hmm. So if there's nine ETFs, and you long one and short the other one, you have two positions. You you, you get no margin offset. Mm-hmm. So how the hell is that going to work if you've got nine different positions of nine different one of these people, and none of them matches up against another thing? Yeah, it's beyond me. I mean, I, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, I think Bitcoin has continued to rise up. It's going to have ups and downs, but you buy some, you buy a portion of the Bitcoin and you, you just kind of ride it up and down. Why don't we because just, I, I think it's an inflation. I think it's an inflation hedge. Well, at least it, a new inflation hedge. It. it um, why don't we just Why don't we just make up our own stock? Why 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 do we have to use theirs? Yeah. Well, we, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We just. What I'm saying is, you know, the, the first question when somebody says it's going to be. A, a Bitcoin ETF. Now, granted, after 20 years on the trading floor and having all traders working for me, my first thought is, if somebody comes in and, and wants to buy a whole bunch of puts, what's my hedge? What what, what do I do as the trader? Yeah. Any, does anybody have any idea what I do? I mean, I well, guess... Well, I think with regard to Bitcoin, I think Bitcoin is generally going to just continue to rise. Well, but how, how, I, am, I, how am I going to short it? How I, 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 well, you know, I, I'm not really interested in shorting it because I think it's going to continue to rise. You buy a Bitcoin, it's going to go up and down. Spe- Who cares about spe- the ups and downs? Just write it out. Speaking as a true professor, and again, I don't, if, if, <laughs> if, if you got, you got, I'm on the south side, if you and Jen, <laughs> big swinging guys that you are, own you know, own $50 million worth of Bitcoin or $100 million, wherever it is, however is, how many this comes down to under the ETF, uh, and you want to start, and it's trading 46000 you go, man, this looks a little bit, a little high. And you come in, and I'm the I'm the ETF guy. Well, of course, there's going to be options on it, right? I think there yeah. are. 
you come in and I say, I want to buy a thousand of the forty-five, forty-five thousand dollar puts. And I go, okay, you can say what you want, Hal, about I should just ride that one out. I'm not the insurance company for, <laughs> for two two goofballs with a hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin. You know, well, it's kind of like when you're playing blackjack, man. When I play blackjack, I have uh, I put I put the I put my chips on the table, and I try to build something. And when I get a hundred dollar chip, a black one, I'll put it in my pocket. And I don't play it, but you and but, I play whatever's on the table. But you never owe more than you put on the table. There's the difference. Yeah, yeah. but I'll just I'll just keep playing blackjack until it, when I get over a hundred dollars on the table, like one hundred twenty, I'll put the hundred dollar chip in my pocket, and then I'll play with the twenty. And I'll just keep doing that all night long. And when I run out of money on the table, I leave, and I got $300 chips in my pocket. And I walk away, and I'm happy. Well, John, here's another example of how even brilliant economists are unclear on the concept of making markets for people. <laughs> if, if you come in, and if, if somebody wants to sell you 100 calls, and you buy them for 10000 bucks, that's that's you playing blackjack. You, you got $10,000 out there, which is a lot of black chips by the way. Uh, they have $1,000 chips now. What are they? Are they white? What are those things? Are they five, what's the $500 or what? I, I, I think so. they're, they're coated in platinum. Oh god. <laughs> but I know the, the I don't, I know there's, there's ones bigger than the black now, I think. But the, the black was a hundo. And so that that's okay. But what if a guy comes in and says I want to buy the puts and you sell them to him. You, you just sold these guys insurance. You, yeah. you, there, there's no, there's no. Well, the limit is is zero. If it goes to zero, what is that going to cost you? The rest of your life and your grandkids' lives. I mean, <laughs> it, so so you have to have a hedge. What what's your hedge now? If somebody comes into the IBM pit or the OEX pit, well, but, well, IBM pit's better for people who trade stock. And wants to buy a thousand puts, I immediately turn around and, and if it's a fifty delta option, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell. Well, how many? What's a thousand puts? It's a, what's a million shares of stock. So I, I got to turn around and sell half a million shares of stock if it's a fifty delta. But I can do that in a stock. I, how am I going to do that in Bitcoin? How do I short Bitcoin? Well, you know, here, here's the thing. I mean, if you if you're interested in day trading, which I'm not at all, um, I think all that stuff's important. But if if you know the Fed is going to print money and create inflation, and you, what do you do? You you kind of like put your money in something. You you don't pay attention to the ups and downs, and twenty years later you look at it and you go, oh man, I made a lot of money, right? I, you know that's just how I look at it. You you hold it, you buy it, and you hold it, and you don't worry about the ups and downs because, you know, you're kind of rolling the die on the ups and downs. Why roll the die? You know for sure the Fed is going to create inflation, so you buy something to hedge against that inflation. Maybe maybe it's New York real estate, maybe it's Bitcoin. Right? Maybe it's an inflation protected security. I don't know. Maybe it's gold. And you, you, you buy it and you just kind of hang on to it. And I, th- I honestly think Bitcoin's going to continue to rise. I well, don't I, see I, it you know what? You're, you're, you've been right all along. Let's put it this way I would, I would probably hire you as my long term money manager. I'm not so sure. <laughs> I would hire you as my. As my uh, I'm just not interested in the ups and downs because uh, I think there's a game being played there. And, oh, yeah, and there the, is. And the, yeah, and the guys making the trades, they're making money when it goes up, and they're making money when it goes down. They're like they're like Duke and Duke from uh, Trading Places. Well, one of my one of my buddies, and Betcha, I think she's still There are a couple bookies. Well, I think she's, I think she's still alive. She's, she could be the only only uh, anybody's mother, John, I think it's still alive, is uh, our buddy Jim. He's a year younger than us. 
He goes, Mom, so well, I went to one of his parties, one of the graduation, one of the kids, and she says, uh, Jimmy bought me this stock, and it's down, and uh, he tells me we're in it for the long term. Tom, does that mean it's like a really crappy trade? And I go, yeah. <laughs> 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 when somebody says we're in for the long term, does that mean if his grandkid sells it for a nickel more, he made money? She goes, I don't think yeah. so. <laughs> well, the, you, the lady was like 88 at this conversation. Do you remember that movie with Brandon Fraser where Chris, Christopher Walken and him and the, the mom were trapped underground for like 30 years and they decided to come above ground? And Brandon Fraser's character has all the stock that his dad bought back in 1950 and it's just worth, you know, incredible amounts of money and he's rich and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> you hold, you buy yeah. it. And then 30, 40 years later, you, well, just, you look just, at it and you go, oh, Hey, that's awesome. Just remember, the buy and hold theory, theory depends a real lot on when you bought and when you hold it too. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. If you bought in the peak, <laughs> yeah. <That's> a, <laughs> if, if you bought Citigroup, it might be four lifetimes where that comes. But don't forget the thing where the, <laughs> the thing what reverse split twenty for one or something or ten. Anyway, SP is up seven. Nasdaq is up forty nine. John, thank you. We had some good questions for Al. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Uh, be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Take care, help. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gave for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Well, we're back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up six. NASDAQ Futures up 42. Dow Futures down 26. Um, we have over in Europe. We were flat to slight the upside here. We'll see if we still are as soon as my machine moves here. The DAX is now up four. Call that flat. FTSE up three. Call that flat. Kakaron down 18.2%. So not much going on there. Uh, crazy stuff over here in China. Nikkei down 29, but they're still at like 35 year high. They keep. Uh, their policy is unchanged, which is they're looser on their money than they have been forever. Tight compared to us, but loose compared to them. Hang Seng up 392, 2.6% as China is finding, trying to find ways to prop these markets up. And uh, Shanghai is up 14.5%. So they're not, they're up some, but they're not that, up that much. And they're not big believers in this policy, at least yet. Uh, yesterday, that was up 138, S&P up 10, NASDAQ up 49. It was not that much. We were to the upside all day, but still... Uh, the market is looking a little more tired, but it sure doesn't look like it's turning around. Uh, Ten-year up three basis points, 4.13. Uh, the Bund up two basis points, 2.31. Japan up two basis points, 0.67. Oil down 70 cents, 74.06. Go back up near the high end of this range. I think it got to 75-something a couple weeks ago. 
Rent up down 78 4 cents, 79.32. Natural gas down 5 cents, 2.36. Arbob down 4 cents, 2.19. Greg, are we, are we looking for a bottom in this natural gas some point or we think it's going under 2? We'll, we'll have that discussion on Monday. Gold up 750, but 2029 still not going anywhere. Silver up 17 cents. Seems like a lot, but they were down like 40 something yesterday. 22.46. Copper up 3 cents, uh, almost a 380. 3797. Three, uh, We've got uh, Bitcoin. Down another 1,100 bucks, 38,987. I'm going to say that was 46,000 last week. So that's a that's a big move in a week. On the U.S. dollar, uh, we got the euro is slightly down. So that means the dollar, the dollar is slightly plus against the euro and pretty much flat against the pound. Nothing much happening there. Yeah, Greg, what do you got? Of course, traffic, weather, sports. I watched the Bulls from 23 point ahead to down and lose last night. Yeah. What a what a what a, what a waste of time that was. Whoops. Morning, everyone. 7.39 right now. 33 degrees in Chicago. Uh, ice warnings throughout the city. 35 today with a little bit of rain. Um, traffic, inbound Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 31. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 57 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 48 minutes. 95th to the interchange on the Ryan, 34 minutes. And inbound Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 37 minutes. Bulls lose to the Suns, like you said. That was 113-115. Bears hire Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator. Hawks lose to Canucks in Vancouver. That was 0-2. And in men's ball, DePaul fires their coach, Tony Stubblefield, midseason after a 3-15 start. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Um, well, uh, what do you suppose the problem is with DePaul? I mean, they, they were real. They were powers for a while. Now it's been a really long time. He won a new stadium and everything. DePaul? Yeah. They were powers when I was in school and they had Mark Aguirre. Oh, yeah, I, I, mem- I remember what, Terry, who was the... Terry Cummings? Yeah, Terry Cummings was a great basketball player. Yeah. I was a little kid back, little kid at that time. What a, but... hu- what a huge man. Wow. 6'10", yeah. shoulders about 8 feet wide. What a huge man. Yeah, nice, he was, nice he was guy a good too. ball player. Nice guy. Yeah. He was from the Chicago area, I believe. They had Dave Corzine played for them and he played on the Bulls for a while. Another, what was he, like 7'2"? 285 and didn't have an ounce of fat on him or some, you know, God, he's just, these guys are huge. Yeah. They, they had, uh, Greg Kite was a monster too, man. Yeah, well, Greg Kite from the Celtics, he was yeah. a monster. Well, Mar- I saw the guy at a bar with uh, Robert Parrish when I was in the Navy back when uh, we were stationed in Bremerton. We'd hang out at the Pioneer Square District in downtown Seattle. And we, we, we ended up in a dance club. I don't know, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't go to dance clubs, but my, my friends wanted to go. And Robert Parrish is there with Greg Kite, and those guys are like seven plus inches tall. And all these women are—they know they're basketball players, so they know they got money. And all the women are just hovering around these these four or five Celtic basketball players. But I could not believe how tall they were in person. Did you did you let them know you were a Navy guy? They didn't want you. Uh, well, in Seattle, you know, Navy haircut. You don't get a lot of. You don't have a lot of luck with the ladies because back then it was grunge, right? So you had to have long hair. You had to wear your uh, your uh, flannel shirt tied around your waist, and you had a front like you were in some band that's going to break it. But having a navy haircut in the nineteen nineties in Seattle just didn't work. What if we were like? What if we had like you know captain's bars or something? Would that help a little bit? Not really. No, no. Because <laughs> everybody has everybody has the same haircut, and you're wearing civilian clothes. It just doesn't work out that well. Uh, even. God, <laughs> maybe it works out well, and it, it, it seemed to work really well in Australia. Australia, the uh, you know, seemed like uh, I had great luck in Australia. I, I met this girl named Trish, and we hung out for like we were there for a week, and we hung out for like five days. 
and uh, it was fun. Uh, we didn't really do anything. We just hung out, and walked around the city, and um, you know, had some drinks at some bars. But in Seattle, I had zero game in the Navy back in the nineteen nineties. <laughs> zero game. It was haircut. Zero game. What do you think, Greg? How would you how would you rate your game? You're you're in the, the right years. Uh, is negative. <laughs> <laughs> negative game. How can you have negative game for God's sake? <laughs> Injured. <laughs> Injured. <laughs> oh God! You didn't break anything this morning, did you? I think I, I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> did you Did you slip on the ice or something? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. That's who you're talking about. I was uh, reading while uh, I joined the conversation. Mid mid stride, I didn't realize who uh, actually got hurt. But yeah, man, slipping on the ice that can that can hurt, man. Holy crap! You don't have like a finger or thumb pointing the right and wrong direction, do you? Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> I, the God. last time I really slipped though was probably like what 2006. So oh, it's been yeah. a while. This is I, I gave myself 50 50 chance of getting across the parking lot. Once I got across the street, you know, it's interesting what you. We have a, an old friend of mine. Uh, Actually, I just reconnected with it. I understand he's a listener. I don't know if he's on today, but uh, he's a civil engineer. And when when, the, when people started, you know, and I don't know the answer to this, but it, what is it? No man can do only one thing. Hal is that the the quote? Uh, when people started going with the corners, he didn't step off the curb. They had the slope down for people in wheelchairs, right, or people with uh, anybody who had, you know, walker or something. And it seemed like a a really nice thing to do, right? Uh, well, this gentleman said to me, hey, wintertime, this is going to be a disaster because people are just going to hit this slope and they're just going to go down. Yeah. And this yeah. morning, across the street over here, I remembered his words, and if he's and if he's listening, I'm going to say thank you, Bill. Uh, I walked over to where the curb was and I stepped off. I didn't try and do yeah. the slope. Yeah. I had a feeling yeah. if I hit the slope, I was going to be on my butt, basically. It's a foot slide. Yeah, it's a foot slide. And, uh, yeah. Anywho, so thank thank him for that, and I made it over probably because of him. Uh, what uh, I don't know if you were listening earlier is all the stuff we talk about in this kind of ridiculous election coming front, where everybody's going to be pointing fingers at their neighbors, saying the, their guy is more incompetent than my guy. Uh, no, I don't think any of these issues are even going to become part of the campaign. No? Is it? Is that what the people really running the government want? Nobody even discusses an issue anymore. I think that's what they want. Yeah, I think they want mass uh, division. You have media that's aligned with the left. You have media that's aligned with the right. I, I think everybody's got talking points, and I think that, I think that's what they want. They want mass division um, because the you know the people in Congress, the Senate, and the House have to be reelected. And and how do they how do they get reelected? Well, they gotta poke fingers at people and say if you elect them, the world the world's gonna fall apart. And if you elect us, it won't go, you know, fall apart as fast, you know. So I think I think it's all by design. I mean, I, I tried not to read too much on Twitter. I post things on Twitter. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll see something that's interesting. Like I saw something from Jeffrey Tucker the other day, and I thought, oh, uh, let's see what he, because he was talking about how Trump, uh, you know, gave the pharmaceutical companies illegal immunity from the products that they create. Um, and then uh, oh, did, also fast tracked it for the for the vaccine for the vaccines. Yeah, for the vaccine. So I wanted to find out what he said during the pandemic because I thought maybe he was one of those guys that uh, you know, had said one thing during the pandemic and is now saying something else during after the pandemic. And I and I went back on his Twitter feed to 2021, 
January to 2022, he's been consistent. So I ended up following Jeffrey Tucker because he was consistent. He he's not uh, he's not like a politician who says one thing in Montana and uses an accent in Montana and then goes to a different state and uses a different accent and says the complete opposite, right? So at least he's consistent on that. I don't agree with him on uh, you know border policy, but I thought that was great that he has been consistent on that issue. Is he right? I don't know. But he's been consistent on well, it. And that's I think the kind of the, people I want to be surrounded by. Well, the, uh, the the person I think, I mean, Carl has done a lot of work on, on the vaccines and whether he thinks they're good or not and whether they were yeah. needed or not. Uh, and, and there's some controversy there. I uh, I suspect he's at least mo- mostly right. I sure as hell hope he's not totally right where it's actually they're actually bad for people. And I think, yeah. I don't know if we're going to find that out yet, but uh, Lou... Well, I mean... To have an eight-month trial, I, I was having this conversation with my VA doctor in Utah, and she and she was skeptical of the vaccine, and I'm I was surprised because she works for government and she's a doctor. I, I thought she'd be all in on the vaccine. Well, Louis, and she was telling me that people were being removed from the trial because they were having adverse effects. Yeah, and I'm like thinking, all right, so it's not that great of a thing, right? Well, they, it could be doing some damage. Well, Lou was talking about how, um, and he, if you want to listen, I think to the person who's been the straightest on the numbers, not just you know the opinions, and I think Hal's opinions are certainly informed, but I mean, uh, uh, Carl's, well, yours are, are certainly. Uh, but Lou was talking about the ins and outs of the approval process. Yeah. And the, the actual, I don't know if it was the Pfizer, I think it might have been the Pfizer or something. The Pfizer drug that they gave out here was never actually approved. The, it, a European drug that was very similar was approved, and this one got piled in because backdoored, of, backdoored, back, yeah. somehow backdoored. And, and the reason why that they did that is because if it actually would have been approved, approved, it would mean that Pfizer was on the hook for it. Mm. But but because it was backdoored, uh, if anything went wrong with the vaccine especially to minors, the government was on the hook for it. And I mean, I'm able to ask Lou to go through this again on Thursday because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm saying that I'm, I'm, I'm 75% sure of the progress here, but I'm going to stop there because I don't know exactly how nuts and bolts of it. Because he was, he was part of a lawsuit that the, from the military suing the government saying they don't want to be forced to take it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was the reason. It was, it was never approved. But... It, if, yeah. you, if you go out and, and you can talk to, depending on whether people are, are government likers or not likers or trusters or not trusters, I can have debate with you know people in my family. What are you talking about? It was approved. I'm saying, no, it wasn't really. Well, yeah, it was. What's the matter with you? No, 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 it wasn't. <laughs> you well, know you, mean, know, it, it, you know, this is the this is the frustrating thing about politics today is like Kamala Harris rightly said uh, during the election campaigning that her and Biden were participating in during August of uh, 2020 before the election she was saying she wasn't going to take the a vaccine rush by Trump but here's the interesting thing as soon as Pfizer announces that they have a vaccine eight days after the election Joe uh, and Kamala jump on board oh, yeah. as telling people to get the vaccine right and the, the Democrats that love these two people they're, they're running to get it Right, 
Well, that's my. They weren't running. To, they weren't running to get it when Trump was president, but they're running to get it when Biden is. Well, let's let's say I was going to. I had a note here to ax ax hell ax him, <laughs> ax an expert. You want to ax me? <laughs> when when you want to you want to ax the two youths? <laughs> when my, my, my brother, uh, he and Doctor J used to go on. There was a there was a uh, God. You remember this, Greg? Channel Twenty Six had like an all day, almost like. Uh, um, business sort of show where the guys would wander around and they'd keep you up to date and they would and they would and they would, they would uh, uh, you know interview people from the trading floor and all this stuff we had this one thing that was called ask an expert and so of course everybody in the trading floor my brother Dr. Jade come out and they go I really want to ask the expert <laughs> the, uh, you know honestly I don't really want to ask the experts especially the NFL experts they are not very good at making predictions <laughs> Well, yeah, but I, I went through the list of, uh, you know what, now it appears they want you to have to pay for it the second time. There was a leading pharmaceutical brands on TV. I, I, I honestly believe, Al, and I don't know, I mean, one of, one of my issues, I mean, if I was going to uh, ask, ask Biden or, or Trump, I, I think somehow or another this country, and maybe Carl's got me all on this, we, we need to totally blow up the medical community. I mean, they're yeah. they're they're, oh, they're, they're, they're 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 an absolute sucking sponge on on the asset yeah. of the country. Country. Yeah. I mean, this stuff. And now I, I'm looking around here and I see, I have seen more people die this year. I mean, uh, I, and I'm I'm starting to see people putting off treatment because their deductibles are so high. I mean, yeah. some, something weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can debate um, if you look at some of these mortality tables. Somehow or another, like more people died last year than during the COVID year. Yeah, excess deaths. Excess deaths. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm not about to take the jump and say it's all vaccine. I don't, I don't really believe yeah. that. And, and I, by the way, I sure as hell hope it isn't true. But yeah. somehow, well, somewhat. With the fact that people who were sick during the pandemic couldn't go to the hospital. I think a lot of it has to do with that. Uh, yeah. I, I think that the, uh, the amount of uh, suicides and stuff for people who. Yeah. Get a load of this. The other night, talk about. A bad night. Well, it wasn't a bad night because I went to my brother's and he cooked up like a second Thanksgiving dinner. And my two, my uh, whatever they are, second nieces, my my nephews, two daughters, whatever they are to me, they are adorable. Have a great time. The little one is such a riot. She's like fourteen months running around, slipping you five and everything. <laughs> but she's funny. Wow. And uh, but your brother is your brother much younger than you? No, this is his 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 son's kids. He's, oh, he's his son's kids. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's uh three and a half years. Although he would tell you, he'll tell you he's like fifteen, but he's three and a half. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he so I'm coming back and uh, and I see this police car go flying down one of the streets because I'm heading back into the city, you know, trying to avoid the hood a little bit. And all of a sudden, I see all these cop lights, fire department lights. And all these cop, all these fire guys standing out on the railroad tracks. And I'm going, oh man, somebody. Somebody must have off themselves, right? Because it's not a spot where, it's not like in a station where somebody didn't see the train coming and walked out there. I mean, it's in a spot where you'd have to find the train, you know, type of thing. And it turns out the next day, I'm reading the article, it was a 70-year-old lady in a wheelchair that wheeled herself in front of the train. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, Damn. I mean, however bad you think life is treating you, it's treating somebody else a hell of a lot worse. I mean, uh Yeah. Anyway, so the, you know, and I'm sitting there reading that, that. You know, and how would you like to be the engineer? Yeah. Oh man, that's that's gonna hurt. 
There was a guy here. Yeah. In, 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 I don't in, think you cover from that. No, there's a guy here in the, uh, in the city. This has to be, I forget the name, but he was the head of Metra. Metra is the, the uh, metropolitan train thing here. So he was, he was the head of the whole operation. And I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he got a deal. Whatever happened to him, he decides he's going to commit suicide. And he mm-hmm. walks out in front of a train, locks eyes on the engineer, and stares at the guy until the thing hit him. I think that engineer, I don't, I don't know if he resigned that day or what happened to him, but he was a mess. Well, yeah. I think I would be too. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. Um, anyway. well, you know, when my parents, when my parents died, my dad died um, in the 90s when I was in graduate school, and my mom followed a few years later, and uh, a girlfriend of mine had an abortion, and I was gutted for <clears throat> probably eight, nine years. I had a hard time trusting anybody, and unfortunately, my wife is, I ran into her, bumped into her, and uh, she's like the most pleasant person you ever meet in your life. She has... She has triplets and she's laying upside down in a hospital bed trying to keep the triplets in. And she's still the most pleasant person you ever run into. And when I first met her, I go, and this has got to be an act. If it's not an act. So uh, I've definitely been blessed with uh, uh, a person that is a good counter to my uh, my ups and downs. Her, she's always up. And I'm, I'm, I'm up and down. I, I have my good days and I have my bad days. But uh, I'm blessed to be around her. So well, it's nice. good for you. I mean, it's a. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I think that the amount of. The amount of uh, Loneliness and all the stuff that the COVID started. I mean, people don't. Oh even, yeah, the kids. Yeah, the kids on the Zoom call. Oh yeah. man, the students. They it's, were uh, they were hurting. They were hurting. What? Uh, so when we talk about all the issues in the world, then we see this election. I don't I don't see them matching, but I'm not gonna be able to change it. I mean, it looks like it's Trump versus Biden if they both make it to September or November. Yeah. I I think that somehow or another, the Democrats are gonna have to dump the VP because. Well, I think I think. I think if uh, the polls keep going the way they are, um, I think you're going to see the media uh, turn and uh, maybe start covering him a little bit more negatively. And I think there's going to be a push to just out and out replace him. I, I don't think he can do it because, you know, we, we don't really see him. We haven't really seen him since Christmas. Um, when we do, it's not very good. Um, he had that interview uh, in some back alley or something uh, this last weekend where um, he acknowledged there was a problem on the border. Um, he didn't look good in the interview. So I don't think they can have him uh, not on TV. I don't, I, I don't I, think I, you can have him on TV. I mean, he's not... I know a lot of people that are in their 80s that are still being judges, being... being yeah, yeah. You know, being trying I just people. don't think... I just don't think that guy has it. But, man. I mean, he's... It, but he's not... Something. He doesn't seem... He's not out of shape. He's not... Heavy, skinny. I mean, he looks like he he ought to be fine. I'm, under, I'm remote, remote, what, what do you think? The, I mean, but the other point is, uh, you know, of course, both sides are fighting about this. I read, I saw this thing, this video the other day. Somebody sent me in the last three weeks in some of Trump's speeches. He was so far off on stuff that he didn't remember either. Well, the, uh, yeah, but I think Trump's always far off too. I mean, he, he just says oh, so. Stuff. So, you, so you've always been a lunatic. It's okay to be a lunatic. Yeah. Well, no, but that, his lo- yeah, followers love it. that. I'm not. I'm not voting for the guy. I'm yeah. not voting for Joe, Joe Biden. Uh, his his followers love him. He he can do that. But uh, I think with Joe Biden, I think they're going to see his. I mean, he's he's polling below Trump, and he keeps talking about. He keeps using the word Biden economics and. He was in North Carolina and he was going to buy coffee for people, and I think he was shocked to find out how much things actually cost. Yeah, well, they're, they're, I think virtually all these president, 
when you're president, you don't, you don't buy, you don't pay for stuff. I mean, everything's provided for you. Well, you, but he was shocked, literally shocked about how much I think the mocha costs or something. Well, I, I think all these guys would be would be shocked yeah. if they saw the rest. It's of like the George people. W. Bush the first, right? Yeah, he didn't know what, he didn't know what a gallon of milk cost, and it. I think it, that probably uh, hurt his chances in the upcoming election. One of the factors that really hurt. Well, him. if it, if it if you and I have always thought that when do these Fed people get out of the limousine? When when do the judges get out of the limousine? Yeah. I mean, working in the Fed be great. I mean, you got this cafeteria, you got this workout room. You know the you got servers bringing you food at this really fancy dining room inside the Fed. The food the food is incredible. So, you know I I, I don't see them being very in touch with the struggles of every everyday people. Well, how do we? I mean, it really does. And I'm not I'm not all you know that there's three or four people in the basement of some hotel in Washington that are running the place. But I don't see somehow or another. I can't see any elected official now. Taking any kind of a shot against, uh, like the drug companies and the hospitals and the insurance. Oh, no. I mean, no. I mean, we're at the point where, I mean, literally, the the companies are way more powerful than the government, and it, and yeah. I don't see anybody who. I mean, it, it, I also think there's a lot of groupthink within the within the um, bureaucratic state. I mean, I think the COVID, the COVID vaccine mandates and the mask mandating. Uh, if there were any conservatives or libertarians in the federal workforce, I think. A lot of them uh, left, like a lot of the the pilots. I think I think what you have left is uh, very progressive, um, and I think there's very little debate. I think there's very little tolerance, and we're we're setting ourselves up for a CCCP uh, type situation where there's no debate within the federal bureaucracy, no, no. And, and and there's going to be this. They're not going to be able to see that cliff, and they're going to go over it. So yeah. I'm, I'm actually a little afraid. Well, the people at Davos are, are convinced Trump's going to get in. This is the yeah. survey, yeah. and then, then it's going to be all okay. I think for them, I think what they're mm-hmm. they're happy with is he's probably going to get back in, and he was so ineffective last time. He's going to be ineffective this time. He's not going to be able to bother yeah. them. Anyway, thank yeah. you, Hal. Yeah. SP Futures up seven. Are you a uh, you, you you back in class, or are you guys still on break? What are you doing? Um, we're in class, yeah. I'm online with A&T State University, but I'm in person with Mercy, uh, the MBA class. How can I wing a spitball at you if I'm in, I'm blind? <laughs> you can't. There's I guess a, maybe there's an emoji with a spitball. Oh, God. SP Futures. <laughs> there's got to be a spitball app somewhere. <laughs> SP Futures up, up 7, NASDAQ Futures up 38. Back tomorrow, stocks and jobs. Maybe we should, we should have a spitball app. I like that. We'll be, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. HomeSource Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. <coughs> ChiroMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.